Mike Young, stories that need to be told post-Thanksgiving. It'll be a quick podcast. Just want to update you on what was going on. What an interesting, interesting stay at home this has been. Wow. Wow. One of the most unique home Thanksgivings in a lot, a lot of years. I didn't perform. I didn't do a show. I came in. I came in a little bit early. We came in with a little mini film crew. Uh, in March or April, we are hoping to be shooting a movie tentatively titled Punch. The movie's about some bank robbers in the 90s in Detroit. They were robbing banks with credit cards. It was the, uh, they were the original dudes that were putting their own numbers on credit cards. Nowadays, there's all kinds of dudes swiping. Back then, they were punching. They were making their own numbers. This little dude back here had a crew. He put his own crew together of misfit bandits. They went out, they made millions of dollars, somebody snitched, they got caught, it was all over. There's a love interest in the, in the movie, there's a little bit of a love story, there's a kid without a father, all the makings of a great independent film. So, in LA, a few months ago, I get a phone call, and I think I might have talked about this a little bit, but I got a phone call from a friend of mine, runs a management company, gives me a call, says, yo, Young, I need you to be in my office three o'clock Tuesday. Got a great guy, very talented director, wants to make movies. I think you need to talk to him. You're a guy that can write whatever he wants, put together a writer's room. We could develop film together. I said, well, that's weird because for the last few months, I've been having this crazy dream, this really crazy thought that, you know what? I want to like channel my energy into like running a company, like not just writing on writing on uh you know work for hire movie writing you know get hired one off this i want to put something in the chamber and start developing projects underneath somebody's umbrella i swear to god this is how law of intention and manifestation and visual visualization it really works i haven't done that in a while i haven't like put like a hard thought with emotion behind it into anything but for a long time i've been thinking that and I literally started thinking, like, maybe I'll just call up friends at different companies and go, yo, let me come in, you know, under your umbrella and you can have a piece of my projects and, you know, we can go from there. And I, it, it's just the way the world works, man. This is what makes me believe in, like, the universe is all connected. We are all energy. Energy manifests. If you put your, you know, intentions in the right place, things will come to you. And, and they did. And it did. So I get a call, and he says, yo, you gotta come meet my guy. So I don't know who I'm going to meet. In my mind, I got, in my, I'm picturing, you know, 50-year-old man, you know, director, wants to, who's got some money behind him, wants to make movies, that's in my mind. I show up to the meeting, in walks like a 30-year-old kid with diamonds in his teeth, who's creative as hell, who made an incredible short film, who happens to have financial backing, and we have a meeting for one hour, and next thing I know, I'm like, yo, this could be my best friend. I'm good here. I'm good. Long story short, lawyer, his lawyer calls my lawyer. We make a deal. And now we've got a really cool situation where the door is open with my company, Redleaf Entertainment, and his company, Transcend Media. And we are starting to write and develop film and television under his umbrella. And it's awesome. We are fully funded. We are good to go. And uh, I'm writing the first movie about the bank robbers. Excuse that telephone because it's going to ring a few times because I'm not going to get it. And we'll just go from there. But the first film is about these bank robbers. And so 
It actually, ironically, once again, enough. The subject is in Detroit. So I start talking to the bank robber who's been out of prison now for 15, 16, 17 years. He's been free. He's actually in the music business now doing great. And we start talking. I get about 10 hours of interviews and I'm good. I got as much information as I really need. Well, I talked to the director and he's like, yo, I've never been to Detroit. We need to take a trip to Detroit. So next thing I know, I'm like, great, man. Delta flies to Detroit. He's like, God, we're not taking Delta, bro. We got a private plane. I'm like, most people would be very excited to hop on a private plane. You know, me, I got to see what kind of plane it is. I got to check the weather. I got to know what's going on, how many seats are there, who's flying, what's going to be on the plane, what's the pilot's background. I'm not that cool. But I've been on enough planes to know, like, you know, they're usually safe and we're good. So I checked the private plane situation. We're all good. We are all good. So next thing I know, boom, I meet him at the Clareport. Him and his crew, he brings a camera guy that can take some footage of Detroit. He brings his assistant. He brings a girl for no reason that's just a cutie. And he brings one of his boys who's kind of like running the show for him. Like, you know, gets him what he needs. Kind of a sidekick dude. And I'm not going to say any names on the podcast because I just don't like to do that yet until it's all solidified uh, and we're in motion and you see the movie come out but let's just say my boy made an incredible short film and he's gonna be a force to be reckoned with as a director now I'm a director and obviously my first thought when we met was like yo I'll write and direct but when I saw his film and he told me he wanted to direct that's it I'm good writing and producing so I will produce these I will write these I will direct some other things that come along and oh speaking of which I think I have a phone call coming in a minute um, but that being said we get on the private plane and we're off to Detroit we land in Detroit they check into the hotel I go meet my brother downtown it's a love fest four days before Thanksgiving we're all hanging in Detroit now we got to get a real feel for Detroit and this movie takes place in the hood this is like some seven mile shit and the kid that was robbing the banks with his crew they were from seven mile down by Dexter, Livernois, that whole area. So we meet up with the dude and we got security with us just to make sure everything's cool. My guy had security with him. And the guy who we're meeting from Detroit, bank robber dude, he's got he's super highly connected in Detroit. Like the first thing out of his mouth is like, yo, you wanna go to Royce the Five Nine studio, or you wanna go meet Trick Trick, or do you wanna go uh, kick it in the hood and just take pictures of Detroit? So as the producer and writer of the movie, I said, let's go get a feel for the neighborhoods first so my dude could just like get an idea of what Detroit looks like, feels like, texture, color palette, vibe of city. So we get in the SUVs and we roll down to Detroit. Now imagine, we look like a rat, we look like the Wu-Tang Clan. We're a fully mixed group. Me, Jewish, 6'2", my boy, uh, uh, biracial. You know what I mean? 6'3", college ball player slash director. He's got a hood on that looks like a wolf's on his head. His boy, black, from Southside Chicago. His girl's all dressed in pink. His assistant's smoking hot. We got a Navy SEAL driving, and we look like we don't belong in the neighborhood, and we got the cameraman out there filming everything. So we look like we're undercover doing an episode of the first 48, but we're not. So we're in the hood. We're taking pictures. 
all of a sudden, you know, crackhead dope fiend dude rolls up on us on a little tiny bicycle with an umbrella while it's not raining. Excuse me, I'm, I'm fighting a cold. So he rolls up on a, with an umbrella, it's not raining, he's about 60 year old dude, somehow driving a child's bicycle. He rolls up, we say, yo bro, we're all good, thank you. He comes up, no man, I wanna be in the movie. He thought we were already making a movie because he saw one camera out there. So anyway, we shot a bunch of street footage, we had the bank robber kid with us, and we interviewed him in the car while driving. So we got a ton of great footage of him. And next thing I know, my boys are like, yo, we, we got to really feel Detroit. We really want, let's go meet Trick Trick. Now, if you don't know who Trick Trick is, look him up. Google Uncle Trick. Trick Trick is, he's a boss. He's just a boss. You know, if you listen to Eminem's songs, he raps about Trick Trick. If you got a problem, call Trick Trick, pop the trunk, get Trick. He's the guy. And it's not a joke. It's not a, he's not a, and he's a great dude. And he couldn't have been nicer. But if there's a problem and he likes you, you go see Trick Trick and you sit at the table and you work it out. He's modern day, you know, he's on that. He's, I don't want to say gangster, but basically if you Google Trick Trick and Rick Ross, you'll see that when Rick Ross came to Detroit, he ended up not performing because Trick Trick and his crew had a little problem and they shut the concert down. He's that guy. So we went to the studio uh, to meet Trick Trick and we had a dude with us named Jojo Capone. Jojo's the dude who's, you know, he's, he's his own boss out of Chicago. And so basically when, he, when we walked in, he already knew Trick Trick. So it was all love all day. Went in there, we saw some Trick Trick videos and Trick Trick, he, Trick was playing like He's got one of the funniest video, videos I've ever seen in my life. There's a comedian, there's a black comedian that works with a puppet, and I forgot his name, but the puppet looks like Grover from Sesame Street, and he's wild and says the funniest shit. And Trick Trick's got a whole video duet with him, and it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I don't know why it doesn't have 50 million views, but go see it, check it out, it's unreal. So we kick it in Trick Trick's studio, we talk about, you know, we're hanging for about an hour. We let them know, yo, we're coming here to shoot a movie. We want your blessing. We're going to be shooting in the streets. We're going to be using real Detroit crews. We want you in the movie because he's actually a good actor. I've seen him in a couple movies. He can act, and I'm actually going to write him a part in this movie. And so we hung with Trick Trick. It was a full day. That night, we were going to Dan Gilbert, who owns the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he's a big, you know, he owns Quicken Loans. Detroit billionaire, great dude, putting his money into Detroit, you know, making the revival, the revitalization of Detroit happen. Everybody goes home, they shower. Dan's got a charity event that night. We're all meeting up at 6.30, and we're going to the charity event. Bam, my boy, the director, shows up, and he's like a young, hip dude. You know what I mean? He's not like, he's not a suit and tie guy. So he shows up, you know what I mean? He's probably 75,000, 100,000 in gold chains on his neck. Teeth are blinged out cornrows in his hair, his assistant stunning and blonde, and we roll to Dan Gilbert's event. It's a charity event for the Children Tumor Foundation. So once again, in comes the Bhutan clan. We look like you know we, we look like we don't belong. Because I told everybody it was cocktail attire, which in my mind is like you just you just wear what you wear to drink. I didn't really there was a bunch of people in suits there. We felt a little out of place. We got there, had a great time, saw a bunch of old friends, talked about the movie a little bit. I introduced my dude to like 
<clears throat> Dan Gilbert's film team from Woodward One Originals, uh, Woodward Originals, the guys that when we get here, we're going to need them for some things too. They're going to maybe they'll do a little, you know, we'll, we'll rent some we'll rent some equipment from them. We'll let them shoot with us. We'll get their sound guys involved. You know, we, we want to keep it all family. Keep it all family. So this is all, <clears throat> this is day two. After the event, my boy calls me. He's like, yo, we need to see what an authentic Detroit strip club, strip club looks like. Well, I'm not going to go against that. So we go, we meet at the hotel. Everybody rallies. We get in the SUVs and we roll to an eight-mile strip club. First, we go to the penthouse where they play us off because none of us have collared shirts. They send us away, and we go to Ace of Spades. We get to the strip club, and it's a funny-ass strip club. The girls are fine as hell, but it's on some hood shit. You know what I mean? There's dollar bills laced all over the floor. We walked, and all I'm thinking, you know what I mean? I'm looking at the dollar bills like, yo, I wish I had a vacuum. I'll sweep that right up into a pocket. We get our own booth, we get a table, we get the bottles ordered, the 42 cones, champagne, things are being lit up. We are doing it real Detroit style. And my boy, all of a sudden I look over and he's got like maybe 15,000 in ones. And he's like, just hands it to me. He's like, make it rain. I'm like, yo, bro, I never really rained before. I really don't know how to throw it. So his other buddy's like, yo, you just got to separate the dollar bills like this and then boom, flip it off your, it's all on the wrist. It's all on the wrist. Being the athlete that I am, by the end of the night, I was flipping it. I was flipping flipping dollars and I wish I could put a picture up for this episode because it literally it looked like it was dollar bill carpeting and it was hilarious. We ended up having a great night and the next day was Sunday which was a free day uh, an open day for everybody and my guys were leaving on Monday so Sunday nobody woke up till you know three o'clock. But I wanted to make sure that everybody got to know my family. I wanted these guys to know because this is my first dealings in business with these guys, with this company and his, his whole crew. So I wanted them to come meet the nephews, my brother, my mom, everybody. So 7 o'clock rolls around, bam, they all come over. And it is just a funny, hilarious, awesome love fest at the Young House. My boy's talking to my nephews. Next thing I know, he's ordering Yeezys for my nephews. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, fellas, but he's, you know, don't. I'm not gonna ever ask him again, and neither should you. But he probably will get the Yeezys. And for two hours, we kick it. My mom holds court in the center stage. She handles everything. She's got everybody on lockdown, telling stories, laughing, giggling, talking life, philosophy. My brother's talking, you know, Detroit. And, you know, my brother's the boss here in Detroit. If you need anything, he knows everything about the real estate. He knows the landscape. He knows the people. He knows what's going on in the city of Detroit. He is the connector. So uh, he was talking to everybody about Detroit, where we'll film. My sister-in-law's got a film background here. She, she knows all about the productions. The incentives, you know, the, the producing, the crews, the whole thing. So it was two hours here of kicking it and just a ton of fun. And so the bottom line is before Thanksgiving even happened, I had my whole other business Thanksgiving. And we had a great time and I'm already in full motion writing the movie and simultaneously developing another movie behind it. And the other movie behind it is set in Detroit also, but it's in the 80s when the Young Boys Incorporated, Pony Down, the local mafia, 
everybody was kind of trying to sink their hooks into crowd boxing and the fighters. And, you know, so you had Tommy Hearns coming up about to be champion, but you also had Maserati Rick, you know, dope kingpin, who was kind of in the mix. So there was a moment where Tommy's career could have potentially never happened because of all, <clears throat> because of all the stuff that was going down. Boy, I hope, I hope my throat clears for uh, <clears throat> for Calgary this weekend because I'm going to Calgary this weekend and I'm losing my voice. But I'm going to try to get through this podcast for like another 10 minutes. We'll see. We're, oh, look at that. We're at 22 minutes. We're good. So anyway, we are... Uh, then Yeah, so the second movie, uh, I, hired, I hired a writer named Nick Silverman. Great writer. He's kind of my writer's assistant slash we're doing outlines, beat sheets. He's getting that going. And there was just, you know, the Detroit had lightning in a bottle back then. So that's going to be that next story. So then Thanksgiving comes and, you know, my mom, you know, she's been on the recovery on the mend. It's been a heavy year. So my cousin Michelle and Craig came over here. They cooked the turkeys. So brother and sister combo, they came over here. They had the thermometers. They were Googling shit. They don't realize and never realize how tough it is to make Thanksgiving dinner for 41 people. So they came over here feeling okay and they left completely under the weather they have no idea what happened the good news is the turkey the brussels sprouts the casserole the every the gravy it all came, stuffing everything came out great everybody had a great time nine out of 41 people got sick with a sore throat including me including my brother michelle got something her daughter lola so <clears throat> it's been a full full true true thanksgiving holiday it always comes and goes too fast when i come home to detroit it just does you never have enough time to see people so you get a couple guilt trips in the mix so you know my cousin kim who i love to death she loves to guilt trip me you haven't been to the house you're avoiding me i am not avoiding you at all i just come home try to see everybody and that's just the way it's been i'm sorry i'll be to the house we had to call last minute audible for the early Hanukkah party that my family does. The early audible went to Kim's house. Kim's house is incredible, open space, way better than my Uncle Sam's house. Uncle Sam's house feels crowded, too much tension, too little of a kitchen. God bless you, Uncle Sam. We love you, but your house, it's over, it's over. From now on, Hanukkah is taking place at Kim's. She's got karaoke machines. She's got pianos and guitars. It was a blast. So the family had fun, and now <clears throat> now I'm in back in full, full, not only losing my voice, but I'm in full work mode. So I'm about 30 pages in, and I'm excited. I'm grinding it out. It's a cool story. These dudes were punching their own credit cards. Think of a band of misfit hoods in Detroit in the 80s, and they steal millions from the banks. Nothing crazy violent, but they were making more money than a lot of the dope dealers, and it was a wild run they had until somebody snitched them out. Yeah, a jealous comrade. Um, but I'll keep you posted. I gotta get off this thing because I'm just I'm running out of steam. I just wanted to update you. Let's just call this the holiday update. You know, family is always intense. You know what I mean? My mom gets along with some of her siblings, not all of them. They all should get along, but there's that weird tension. There's shit they don't want to talk about. There's family secrets nobody deals with. And thank God I got my cousins and my brother and my nephews because our generation, 
we are all good and I wish their generation was all good with each other but you can't you can't force people to be close to each other that's just the way it goes sometimes you know you can't choose your family that's just what it is um, and you know hopefully one day they all look up and go hey man you know life is short we are lucky to be alive we're lucky to all have our health that's what this really is about everybody needs to just look to do better be as great as you can be and spread love and that's it I don't want to preach I just wanted to update stories that need to be told I'll keep you posted on the movie um, I got a little cool news from the Garment District movie they're talking about what, making that a TV show so we'll talk this week if they want to hire me to write the pilot I can handle two gigs at once it'll be a little bit heavy on my brain but it's all good I'll disappear turn the phone off and that's the thing it's like if you have discipline you're good like I look at I was watching Joe Rogan's podcast this motherfucker knows everything about everything I was about to say Joe do you read in your sleep he's bringing up shit about diet that it's like I thought you just isn't it enough with the UFC and the stand up comedy and the government you gotta know about everything he knew about biochemistry, electromagnetic field working together within the system. You know, Elon Musk and his takeover with a battery-operated city. Who's got time, man? But that's why he's Joe. That's why he's disciplined like that. That's why he's been making millions of dollars off of things he loves. If you stay disciplined with the things you love, I really think you'll be all right. Anyway, my voice is cracking. It's a wrap. God bless. I'll be back to L.A. in a week and a half. I'll be in Calgary this weekend. If you're there, we'll see you. Me, Theo Vaughn, Andrew Santino, Pete Giovanni, Calgary. I think it's called Cowboy something balls. Something, I don't know. The, the Cowboys bells or something. I don't know. My first time in Calgary. I heard it's cold. Should be great for my voice. Peace.